You were born in 1700? Uh, 1726. Don't I look good? Oh, yeah, from my mistake. <laughs> there was this joke when I was at Walsh. You know, I was a non-traditional student when I was at Walsh. A lot of the extracurriculars I did were with people who were like three or four years younger than me. We did improv and theater and choir together, but their big joke was that I was like born a bazillion years ago or whatever. And one of my other friends, I will just call you out, Doug, picked up on this joke with everyone. He was not a Walsh person, but he was around some of us. And he tried the Tara is old jokes, but for the record, Doug, you are two years older than me. Okay, so Doug was born in 1724. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> anyway, it, was, it just became a, yeah. a stupid joke that we did at, at Walsh, but because I was, you know, so much older than everyone else, but really it was just a few years. So, like I said in the last episode, my birthday was last week, and people always like to call me the baby, and it never stops getting patronizing. <laughs> why, do, also, why do they do that? Because I'm a couple years younger. Than who? A lot of people at the theater, a lot of people I work with, etc. Oh, really? I've never heard anyone call you yeah, baby. Yeah, people always like to call me the baby. I have a mortgage and a career and just as much anxiety as you do, so. Right. But I mean, like, half those people are your age or younger. So, like, the people yeah. who are older than you, stop calling Adam the baby. Whoever you are. Call Sarah up at the baby. She's younger than me. No, I'm just kidding. Don't call anybody a baby. If you are in your 30s, you're not a baby. <clears> Everyone <throat> has their own life experiences that are unique to themselves. <laughs> By that the way, deep. this is basic Hey, snitches. welcome to Basic Snitches. This is a podcast about age. <laughs> this is a podcast about how Adam is younger than me. Yes. Can you tell? You can't actually see us. We realize this. <laughs> Adam is primping. Because Adam. I'm not primping, I'm posing. I'm sorry, Adam is posing. I'm posing for the microphone. For the microphone. For me, clearly trying to prove that he is younger, which we have already established. Yeah, don't I look great? You do look great. Am I sexy too? Yes. Okay. You are sexy at 33. Ask me what I'm drinking. What are you drinking? I'm so glad you asked. I guess I'm drinking it too. So this is a wine that my sister brought to Thanksgiving. Yes, again. Okay, I realize this is January something. Like the second week of January or whatever. Whatever. You know we stockpile these episodes. Anyways, my sister works for the jazz radio station that I used to work for. And they do this like wine and jazz cruise. And she brought this wine to Thanksgiving. Now, the backstory to this wine starts with the TV show Twin Peaks, which... I am fucking obsessed with, thanks to my sister and my parents. And if you're familiar with that, later in the original series, before they did, like, the revamp, there was this wine-tasting scene, and this Gilderoy Lockhart douchebag motherfucker is, like, running it. And he's like, smell the wine and tell me what, like, notes you get. And some dumb bitch is like, banana. And he's like, right you are. And my dad, who is a fucking wine snob, is like, never in my fucking life have I had banana in a wine. <laughs> That's a direct quote. My dad said it just like that. He probably did. No, yeah. And literally, we were talking about this, and he said something along the lines of that. Two days later, my sister procures this wine that has notes of banana in it. I guess I taste it. I mean, a little bit. Also, the bottle looks like it was from the 1970s. <laughs> like, it kind it, of does. It was like this pinky rosé color. It does not taste like rosé. And the label was kind of faded. So that's what we're drinking tonight. As for what we are reading, we are reading nothing. Again, we're, we're we not reading. We don't we've read shit. Read it. Um, we, we are we discussing. <laughs> we don't know how to read. <laughs> the biggest shock of the year, of this year, 
2020 already is the basic ditches actually don't know how to read. I don't know how to read. Someone reads this to me. Yeah. Busby reads to me every week. That's Thanks, right. We, re- we are actually real wizards. We've lived this. This is actually the real J. Finch Fletchley and Hannah Abbott. J. Finch Fletchley dies in puffs. Not in like canon Hogwarts though. We don't know what we happens. We don't know. His We've had this discussion. Them. You think that he goes off and marries Ernie Mac. <laughs> I think he goes off and marries Adrian Pusey. Whatever. No, Adrian. But you've heard it here first. We are the real Hogwarts characters. Everyone has turned this off. We, we actually <laughs> haven't even introduced Fuck. ourselves yet. I'm Justin. What's your name? What? I'm Justin. What's your name? Oh, are we doing this? Yes! What's your name, oh, Hannah? Jesus. Okay, I'm Hannah. <laughs> I'm Hannah. Yes. No. Anyways, we're already off to a really great start. Guys, we, I'm sorry. We are discussing <laughs> chapter 10. We are going to discuss of the chapter Chamber of 10 of Chamber of Secrets. The Rogue Bludger. Before we do that, do you want to hear about chapter 9 and who I gave the win and who I gave the loss to? No. Well, that's rude. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Tell Respect me. your elders. I was born in 1726. <laughs> that's right. You are I deserve math the, older than me. <laughs> I am math older than you. I don't even want to know what you're trying to imply there. I mean, I was born in 1986. I, wait, what, what year were you born? 1984. Oh, so you're 98 years older. No, you're 102 years older than me. Yeah. We're drinking banana wine. Shut I up. I was born in 1984 for reals, guys. I'm only two years older than this fuckhead. Yes, but if she were born in 1784, then she would be. 1726. <sighs> okay, Ooh, we're, so, we're, we're going to start this one yeah. over. Hi, I'm Justin. We're still doing that, though. No, we're starting over. Who won and lost the last chapter? The loser of the chapter, because of the line, I just fucking hate him, Gilderoy Lockhart. I can whip up that potion in my sleep. Fuck you. Fuck you so hard. I'd rather not. Right. Eh, no thanks. The winner of the chapter, here's the thing. This is such, you know what? You get to have points. Let me choose my hey, own winner and you, loser. You convinced me to not give points and take away points. I'm just trying to influence you. I didn't bit. tell you to do that. You no, made your own choice. But you influenced me, so I'm trying my best to influence you. Hermione. Hermione didn't win this chapter. Okay. <laughs> well, now no one wins this chapter now. Oh, oh. Uh, see, I influenced her. I influenced her, though. Uh, you bullied me, actually. I did not bully you. You didn't like my answer. No, you didn't give me your answer. But my answer wasn't Hermione, so you didn't like it. Oh, what's your answer? My answer was Minerva McGonagall. Oh, that's acceptable. (laughs) It's good. I like it. McGonagall wins the chapter for two reasons. One, we make up our own fucking rules. A lot of it plays into the movie. I love Mm -hmm. how beautifully Maggie Smith does that scene where she explains the Chamber of Secrets, like to a point where... For the most part, this is maybe one thing in the movies that I'm just like, absolutely, I will take that over the book any day. There are a few here and there, but you know me, I always choose the book over the movie. Also, just in conjunction with how much Snape fucking pisses me off, I love how she's like, really, you're fucking on about this because you don't want Harry to play Quidditch. And because secretly she's like, because I know he's better than fucking Malfoy, bye. Like, I feel like she's underhandedly giving Snape a middle finger, and I'm like you know what? You. Yeah. You get to win. Cause you're I wish she would just give Snape the middle finger, though. I mean, she will talk about it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what you're alluding to, but I, mean, I don't know. We'll it's not there. the middle finger, it's more. <laughs> she fucks him in the ass. <laughs> you heard it here first, kids. 
Yikes. Speaking, no, not speaking of fucking you in the ass. I'm just going to try a pun, but Definitely not. Tara wrote me a thing, so I'm going to read it. Chapter 10, The Rogue Bludger. Professor Useless Idiot has resorted to charades as his newest teaching method. The trio, with very, very little effort, trick the idiot into signing a paper stating that they should be allowed to check a book out of the restricted section of the library. The idiot then gives Harry a couple of backhanded compliments and continues to prove to everyone, except Hermione, just how useless he really is. They run to the library and check out the book, all while looking incredibly suspicious. Then they continue doing shady stuff like hanging out in a girl's bathroom. The book they checked out of the library is filled with horrifying potion recipes that seem to not phase Hermione one bit. She finds the page for a polyjuice potion, and when the boys logically hesitate about this plan to make the potion, Hermione throws a major fit and Ron suggests Harry just attempt to take out Malfoy during Quidditch the next day. As the Gryffindor team prepares for the match, Oliver makes the stupid comment that Harry needs to get the snitch before Malfoy or die trying, which is a bit extreme, but also when Harry is chased by a homicidal bludger, he basically shrugs it off because sports. After the bludger breaks his arm, Harry stupidly dives for the snitch and somehow manages to not die when he falls to the ground. But don't worry, he gets the snitch, they win, Malfoy looks stupid, it's all good, Enter dipshit Lockhart, instead of letting Harry go to the hospital wing to see someone who actually knows what the fuck they're doing, Lockhart does some stupid spell where he removes the bones from Harry's arm. Whoops. There was room for a dick joke there. Anyway, thank god they finally get him to the real MVP of Hogwarts, Madame Humphrey. She gives Harry Skelligro to regrow his bones. There's a joke there. Oh my god, you're psychic. You knew I was going to make dick jokes. That's not really psychic. That's just, you know, yeah. And while he's there, staying overnight, Dobby comes to visit, and Harry learns that his way of protecting him is to try to seriously injure him and ruin his life. Honestly, with Dobby around, Draco needs to not work so hard at fucking up Harry's life. Dobby says a lot of ominous shit about history repeating itself and the Chamber of Secrets, and it seems like Harry may finally learn something, but then Dumbledore and McGuck come in, so Dobby leaves. The professors bring in Colin Creevy, who has been petrified. Dumbledore ignores the number one rule of developing film <laughs> and opens Colin's camera, so basically if the film hadn't been destroyed or whatever attacked Colin, it would have been as fucking useless as Gildor and Lockhart because you don't expose film to light, Dumbledore. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Oh yeah, the Chamber of Secrets is definitely open. Really well done. That's this my be, favorite one I've ever written. This is probably my favorite Sorry, one. Sorry, I don't know if they're going to like it. You made a dick joke. You you made a, the, the camera thing is brilliant. I hadn't even thought of that. Did you know that I used to work with film? I feel like I may have known it's, that. It's a very useful thing for me to know. I know how to develop film. You know how useful that is. Yeah, in this day right and age. Now. Yeah. Jesus Christ, that's how old I am. 1726. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That was the end, and I was like, I guess I should talk Hey, about the I'm the bus. Well, of course, the film was destroyed anyways, but then all of those pictures of Harry would have been destroyed too, and Harry would have been like... Harry is fine with it. With his, like, limp-ass arm. Thumbs up. <laughs> Thumbs up. Thanks, Dumby. <laughs> so this is another chapter where a lot happens. So much shit happens in this chapter. The very first thing that I wrote, no shock... Lockhart keeps getting worse and worse. But at least he's gullible. Uh, the charades comment also. That was really wonderful. 
And he's just like, Harry, be this thing. And Harry's like, whatever, I'll just do it. Harry's the most compliant student. I was going to like, say, whatever. I almost can't believe that Harry is actually like going along with it. But then Harry was like, wants to keep him in a good mood. Yeah, so. I guess. I also think Harry is not a rebellious child against teachers who are not pushing the wrong buttons. Like he's rebellious with Snape because Snape's an asshole. Gilderoy Lockhart is just fucking while still and kind of an asshole. He's not an asshole to students. He's just like I'm better than yeah. you. Not yet. But he's an but, asshole in a different way that does not trigger Harry yeah. to be like Harry's a pick your battles kind of guy. That's also when early he on. Um, shows his true colors too, of course. But uh, yeah. we're not there yet. So so that whole thing happens. They get the signature because Hermione is like all flirty and stuff. But we talked briefly about this in the last episode. Like I'm on a Hermione high right now. I love her. She's super smart. We all knew, but we see some great Hermione moments. But Ron really does point out the one big thing. It's like, what the fuck do you see in this guy? Which is kind of ironic when you know kind of what happens ultimately between Ron and Hermione. She's so smart. I think it's frustrating when she's not using her brain. Yeah. She's like blinded by him. There's this little moment too where I wrote Hermione wanting to keep Lockhart's note, but it looks like it says Hermione ranking. And I was like, wait, when does Whoa, that happen? She doesn't you do that. Need to That's like the yourself. porn version of this, which is also called Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. You Jesus know what I mean? Okay. Can we talk about how the title of the book is Most, Most Potent, Potent Potions? That's potions the last thing. With the E. Yeah. On every fucking thing except for potions. Most E. Potent E. I mean, you know that's not how it's actually. I know, but it's like, stuff. It's got to be a language thing. Like, I just don't know which language it is. The other thing that I really, really love about this is how much detail I go into about the potion. Like, there's the one ingredient that has to be, like, picked under a full moon. Like, one thing that it takes, like, a week to to brew something or... Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No, no, no. I know exactly what you're talking about. I really like how in-depth it goes into all of these little ingredients. There's, I think, also a moment in this chapter where Harry has to, for some reason, scrape, like, crusted bugs off of a table in the potions room. I read it as almost like Snape just made him stay behind to do it instead of him actually being there for detention, which I was like, wow, that's fucking rude, Snape. That takes me back to like biology and chemistry class too, which I know I've made that comparison. I've never really been a chemistry person, but the way that Hermione like describes all of these ingredients for a college use potion really has me intrigued. I really like the description of the potion. I like all the stuff that goes into it. I feel like people are going to give me a lot of flack for this, including you. It really bugs me how quickly Hermione is just like, if you guys don't want to do it, then you're going to check it out. And here's my frustration with it. I don't think she's wrong, but I think about how three or four chapters ago, she's like, I can't believe you guys flew to the school. Remember how you were like, I'm okay that she's mad at them. And that was totally fine. And I was like, I think it's annoying. And here's the thing is like, she's like that. And then literally the two of them are, especially Ron, very unusually showing some restraint, restraint and yeah. logic. Like when Harry's like, this is really dangerous. Understanding that this could get them in a lot of trouble. Instead of him being like, I don't want to do this. He's like, maybe we shouldn't do this. And instead of like it turning into a conversation, she's like, well, if you guys are going to chicken out. I'm going to turn in this book. And I'm like, I don't like that. That makes me so frustrated with her because she, she is so black and white, especially in these early books. Mm -hmm. And when every time she is like, oh, I want to break rules because I think that's what's right because I believe in what's right, I think is lovely. But she, I don't like how she handles it. Yeah. And in this chapter, it really bugs me. 
there are so many things that I want to say to this because you always have such a different perspective that I think is brilliant in comparison to mine. Again, I think this is one of those Hermione moments where I really like her like gumption <laughs> she's got here. And that is in contrast to what I'm saying. I do appreciate that. Yeah. The contrast to the whole car thing is really interesting to me. And I imagine maybe what it could be, we've talked about it the past few episodes, Ron's been fucking through it and his wand is still fucked up. Mm -hmm. So like, they might also be like, you know what, we've had enough of causing trouble with this car. Right. Like, let's take a breather here. Maybe there's another way to go about it. And like, even when you put this in your summary, you said something about like how she has this huge episode. It is like such a big contrast. I wrote it as like her being like brave and like also like enveloped in the mystery and wanting to figure it out. But I think that everything you say is also a really good point where she is so passionate and so black and white about it that it can be also read as her being too severe. My thing about that is I don't have a problem with her reacting for whatever reason. It's that sometimes I feel that she can be too quick to just flip. I think my frustration is because she's so smart and this book is frustrating because she's like, oh, Gilderoy Lockhart. And then she does all the smart stuff and she's got this great idea with the Polyjuice Potion. And she's the person you can trust to do this. And then her friends are showing like restraint. Let's also compare this to like Norbert, which well, there are some like parallels with that whole thing. It's funny because Hermione is the impulsive one here and they're not. And I think we always think of like, I mean, I even said it in my last chapter's summary. Hermione's the one who's great and like Ron's gonna fuck it all up. But here it is kind of like backwards. And let's be honest, this bites Hermione in the ass in the end. You probably just know this in general about me. I get really frustrated with reactionary type of situations where reactions are very heated when they don't need to be. And really out of the group, Harry is shockingly the one that is the most like Switzerland. Docile, them. He's yeah. very docile for the most part. And whenever Harry is like a person that snaps, he's been pushed to a certain limit. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that other people aren't pushed because everyone in this story gets pushed. Harry gets pushed so much more and it's his stories. It's my sensibility feeling attacked by just such a sharp turn because for me, I'm just like, but we can just talk about it, right? Like, that's just so me. Something that I was thinking as you were talking about that, you kept talking about, like, black and white thinking. I think I've talked about therapy in the past, but something that my therapist always used to say about, like, black and white thinking, because I am very reactionary. And I'm not criticizing people oh, no, 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 no. like that. No, 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 no. I, I'm not saying that you are. Because I'm so reactionary, it also makes me see, in this instance, like a positive in Hermione, I guess. Being reactionary is not always a great thing. Like, that. this is why I overthink, you know? This is why sometimes I do jump to conclusions. But at the same time, that is what makes me a good, you know, problem solver. And when there is some sort of conflict that I need to react to really quickly, like I'm on top of it. There's positive and negative things about it. We've also talked about how like all these characters have flaws and that mm -hmm. makes them so real and so beloved. Like real people. And I think that you touched on it. Obviously like I identify a little bit with Hermione in her personality and stuff. It made me feel like everything you said, which I think is true too, about like Harry being more docile and stuff. Perhaps you are a little bit more like Harry. 
then I am too, you know, in, in that, that way. It's not to say like, oh, I'm this character in the book because these characters are also very robust and there's all these different facets in, about it. I feel like I'm like rambling, but I, essentially- I, I get what you're saying. It's just touching on how like both of us read this passage differently mm-hmm. because both of us have different personalities that either relate to or against specific characters which i think is great right. and what makes the books great you know what i mean i love that conversation <laughs> sometimes we dig so much into specific characters one of the reasons why i like reading period is putting myself into the book and relating to the characters and so the next thing that happens is we get to the main event of the chapter and we approach the quidditch game oh quidditch now i wrote down this quote because again spoiler alert on like points because i'm giving oliver wood points this chapter oh okay and the reason why is because of this thing that Oliver Wood says, which I feel like is one of the wisest things that has been said in this book. You know what you're going to say. Slytherin has better brooms, mm-hmm. but there's a better people on our brooms. That's all I have to say. I love it's it. It's a brilliant quote. He makes up, well, he doesn't completely make up for his like droning a couple of chapters ago. Right. But this is I love it. such an improvement in leadership. I was like, fuck yes, Oliver Wood. That is amazing. I really appreciated that. And then we get, of course, the action. The game starts, and then we see why the chapter is named what it is. So I forgot that the bludger is after Harry literally from the whistle. Yeah, it's a lot more intense in the book. I really love Fred and George being at the center of that and how determined they are to protect Harry. They even have like the little time out. And again, are you ready for it? Why Madame are the Hooch. adults not Madame fucking Hooch. interfering? I was like, oh, hey, we do see Madame Hooch again here. And I was like, Tara's going to bring up Madame Pooch and like how she's like an after like, something. Like, what the fuck? She's like, okay, play the game. Then where does the bitch go? Yeah. There is a bludger chasing one person. Through the whole thing. Like, aren't you supposed to know this shit? God! And there are so many fucking adults there. Yeah. She sits down in her lawn chair. She starts drinking banana wine and eating hummus <laughs> and breakfast. That is who drinks banana wine, Madam Hooch. Right. That's why we're d- drinking and eating this this time. It's inspired by Madam Hooch. Oh, Madam Hooch, sponsor God. us. <laughs> I knew that you would say something like that. <laughs> what? Are you, that. Are you, I'm so surprised that you thought I would do that. Hold and, on. of course, there's all this action. There's the great back and forth between... Harry and Malfoy and everything and the whole snitch. Of course, Harry catches the snitch. And then we get to... <sighs> this moment. <laughs> okay. You know what? There's no other way to say it. Fuck fucking Lockhart. <laughs> Dipshit. He's been doing this the entire time, trying to show that he can one-up all the professors, that he knows how to do everything. And, like, here he is, like, actually practicing it and doing something and he fucks up in the most major way why is it that the match ends the child passes out and does not move okay and no one else runs to his aid we just have fucking lockhart like lockhart literally just now beat out every fucking buddy at this quidditch match because he actually went to this child's aid and that is bad okay yes that is bad (laughs) but i guess at the same time i never want to say this but good on lockhart for like where's the fuck with madame hooch well but where was that Everybody. Where was there? You know, Snape was there. But also, there was like a blackout moment. Like he blacked out. He, and he woke completely up and passes saw out. His fucking face. This yeah. Poor this child. is all mismanagement. That's true. 
Madame Pomfrey, I'm just going to say, because that's Quinn. She is also MVP. For the record, we are recording this on December 4th, which is Gemma Jones's birthday. And that's who played Madame Pomfrey in the movies. Yeah. Like, how perfect. Happy birthday! birthday. Sorry this isn't going to be posted until January. Yeah, but hey, it's the thought that counts. Listen to it again on your birthday. It's the thought that counts. Also, we love you, so... Yeah. Yes, I'm sure she's listening to this. What would you do if Gemma Jones listened to our She's podcast? one of our six subscribers. Right. But literally, oh I mean, God. this is not obviously what was written in the book, but in my mind what happens, Pomfrey is like, they're like that. And she like parts the crowd with her hands and she's like, bitch, what the fuck did you just do? Get the fuck out of here. And she's like, come with me, Harry. We getting you some Skelligrove. Like, where are the fucking adults during Quidditch matches? I just imagine McGonagall's just like, I will we want. And then she like just opens whatever the fuck book she's uh, yeah. reading. McGonagall, the student is unconscious. What? Oh, she's like, I want. I don't give a shit. Back to Quinn. <laughs> because oh we God, need to talk about Quinn. Can we talk about how there are a lot of times, I've even talked about like the lack of logic in the past, but Madame Pomfrey is one of these adults at Hogwarts who need to have some sort of muggle training. She's the nurse. She has to have some knowledge about medicine and anatomy and stuff. Like there's this one moment where she's like, this yeah. kid has to grow back 133 bones or whatever it was. I don't know what it was. Something like that. I'm not versed in anatomy at all. But mm. she even says that. And first of all, you know, JK knew the right number and put it in there. And I'm like, Madame Promfrey knows because she not only knows magic, she also knows anatomy. She's a badass bitch. And anatomy ain't an easy thing to learn. Well, I think you're right. I think that healers probably have to know a little bit about muggle medicine. Yeah. There's a science that then they also apply magic to. She's the fucking best. It's amazing. Like, it's not like the chemistry that Snape teaches where it's magical chemistry. For her, it's science and magic, not magical science. You know She's what I mean? fucking great. Oh, it's 33. I wrote 30. it down. Not 133. Well, you know what? 33. <laughs> 33 plus 100 things. The That's how old I'm going to be in 100 years. <laughs> That's right. That's where that number came from. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I, I literally took that right from the thing. Although, you know what's funny? On my birthday, I went and got a massage, which I usually do. I went to the spa, and the locker that I used, the one that was open, was locker 33. How do you remember? Oh, because it was your birthday. Because it was my birthday. Oh, my God. But I'm like, dumb. Okay. Hey, maybe 33 is going to be a lucky thing. 33 is a... I don't know. I actually read an article a couple years what ago exciting that was, things was something like, age 33 is statistically like one of the best years that people say that they lived because they're now old enough to like be good enough in their career and kind of have their shit together and stuff but they're still sort of young and not a baby they're just young enough to like still you know have that youthful joy i don't know (laughs) i'm just like talking sure but like there was an article i read and i was like hmm so maybe 33 is gonna be nice anyways the last time i played opposite e1 stage i was 33 a c and that was like a great moment in your life it was magical so also following the match other than um quen being quen i love her flint yelling at malfoy i was so close to giving flint points and i was like he does not deserve these points (laughs) that he gets yelled at though that's so great i had to mention that moment and then we are of course the hospital wing and the little bitch comes in dobby who leading up to this i of course knew it was happening i was like wow we haven't seen dobby in a long time but then this is of course where dobby reveals too much information he's like mini hagrid he's like saying things that he shouldn't be saying about the chamber of secrets 
he's so infuriating in this moment because, I mean, it's everything that we've talked about back in the first Dobby chapter. He has blinders on to his own thing. He's not thinking about Harry. He's not thinking about any of the other circumstances or anything. He just overheard this stuff in Malfoy Manor and whatever he has to do, he has to protect Spoiler, he really is the Malfoys. Yes. (laughs) We've said that before. I think we have. In this moment, I'm trying not to be as annoyed by him. It's one of those things where like rereading it, you have to try to look at it from their perspective. So I can't be quite Mm -hmm. as angry as as I want to be because he does say all these other things like history repeating itself, etc. Then Dobby goes back into his own shell and realizes like, oh my God, I can't fucking tell you or I'm really am going to be killed. He lays it on real thick when he's like, Harry Potter saved us off. Everything was terrible and then you made it better except for my life still is terrible. Like it's very He I'm totally like, does. Can you fucking He's stop such it? a drama queen. And then he's like, oh fuck, I'm not allowed to say anything that that is interrupted and Dobby flits out of there. Is it the he's very... always like, I'm about to tell you something important. Oh bye, peace out. Little Colin comes in. All petrified. I said poor Colin, but no points for Colin <laughs> because he had it coming. <laughs> that might be that's a little bit too too harsh. Wow, I hope something really terrible happens to that kid. <laughs> exactly. Yikes. Because I'm, I'm like, aw, he got petrified. That's sad. He's the first petrified human, but he's so irritating. I mean, he doesn't deserve that, but... <laughs> no, I mean, good thing he was only petrified. Um, yeah. I do love how everyone is dressed in their night clothes. Dumbledore is wearing a long woolly dressing gown and nightcap, and McGonagall is there and doesn't say what she's wearing. But yeah. she know she looking fly. You know she's wearing, like, a tartan dressing gown like she is in the first... That's right, one. with a bonnet. With a bonnet. They fucking destroy film. I still think that's so funny. <laughs> that's great. Anything else about the book? I do like how it ends. I appreciate that Harry recognizes that he's in the same space as Professor McGonagall. Because it says, From what Harry could see, a Professor McGonagall's shadowy face shouldn't understand this any better than he did. And I think it's really important to remember that these are teachers and humans. Reading these as adults who could be working in this school. Yeah realizing just how much more real that is when you're a kid looking at adults and like expecting them to have all the answers and and know what to do next and one of the relationships in this series i really have been trying to kind of pay attention to is harry and mcgonagall and i love that little connection like mcgonagall is literally one of the most powerful magical people when you are halfway through the second book in a scary situation and you're a terrified 12 year old And you're like this person who is so powerful and so smart and so responsible also is like, I don't know what to do either. I found that a little striking, so. That's really great. That's a really good ending note, I think, because that's an important thing to remember. In fact, and speaking of movie. There's that moment that we referred to in the last episode where they're walking down the corridor and stuff and she's like I bet it was Malfoy but she is in Hermione. Hermione. And she says something like of course the chamber of secrets is open all those professors are yeah. nervous. So I kind of liked that but I also do want to point out that there's one moment where they're in the middle of the hallway and they just stop. Right. You were so mad you're like don't fucking stop and you're oh, not wrong. When Literally, people, people do that in front of me stop. I want to push them out of the way into traffic. I'm like, really surprised you didn't murder anyone when we were in New York. But people tended to like... Because we stayed away from touristy areas yeah. as, as much as we could. Um, In Cleveland and shit. It's happened to me in the past week like several times. And I'm just like, get the fuck out of my way. I hate it. So I was like, 
100 points from each of them. Just kidding. No. Anyways, so going back to the beginning of the chapter, um, when they're talking about the polyjuice potion and everything, first of all, there's no duping Gilderoy. They oh. just go into the library. They don't even go into the restricted section. Right. She's just like, oh, here it is. Yep. Found it. It's just sitting out in the open where anybody can get it. A lot of the detail that they talk about the potion, all the different ingredients, the lacewing flies, the nettles, we lose all of that, which gives it some charm. But she does, of course, say, you know, that it will take about a month, etc. I always miss the detail, but it's a movie. What are you going to do? I do like Ron seems to be way more okay with the plan right from the get-go. Yeah. They don't have that back and forth, which is yeah. fine. Yeah. He says something about like, oh my God, we'll be able to turn into yeah. dumb, wicked. Harry's actually the one who's like, Malfoy will have attacked all these people by then. Yeah, they did a couple little like dialogue switches. They don't do the mention about like a piece of the person having to be in the potion. Not yet. Yeah. Because <laughs> that'll come later in the movie. Yeah. We do, of course, miss the like, pre-game stuff. There's a lot of details about the game that we miss. There's no timeout. The Weasleys are barely seen during the game. No, but also in the movie, Harry gets to, like, you know, fly around like a normal person for a little bit yeah. before the bludger comes after him. Daddy Malfoy is there. Yep, that was another thing. I was like, oh, but that bitch is Draco, there. a couple of Draco's lines when they're in the air are the same. Yeah, yeah, um, the whole thing about, like, for the ballet. He calls him Scarhead. Scarhead. Sick burn. Oh my god, you're just terrible. So bad. Yeah, the boat belly. Honestly, at the end of the match where like Draco gets like thrown on the ground, Daddy Malfoy is like, does this thing where he kind of looks, he's like, is my kid okay? It's fine. He's a fucking idiot. It's more so like, oh, I can't believe that my child did that. Right. I hate in the movie how Hagrid is suddenly part of the book again. It's like, oh, oh, oh yeah. uh, that bludger's been tampered with. And like <laughs> Ron and Hermione are there and Ron's like, I'll stop it. Which I love a good yeah. Ron being like, I'm going to do this thing moment where Hermione's like, please don't. I think that's cute. I've liked it better in the book where we're spending the time with Fred and George. Yeah. To be I like, so this too. is clearly a problem. But it's, again, it's more just... natural in the book. Also, they've already done the we have to save Harry from this bullshit in the first movie. And in, in the first book, you get that perspective. Yeah. Where they're together with, I think it's, I think, oh, there was Neville in the first book. It's like the three of them and Neville and Hermione's like saving the day. So we get that in here. I think JK wrote it for a reason that we're spending the time with Harry now when Harry is again facing something that should have been intervened by fucking teachers already. But we all know how that works. Because otherwise it's the same scene. Which is why I'm annoyed by it happening in the movie yeah, too. I'm like, yeah, hey. that's a good point. At the end of the match, there's no blackout moment. This is totally like a movie magic fun trick thing. The whole thing how the bludger comes to his head. And then it comes back again. And then almost gets him in the crotch. But right. then someone doesn't wrestle it back in the box. Hermione comes out and oh, blasts it like, apart. Oh, just gonna destroy this bludger. No one's there. Hermione to the rescue. I feel like Harry is in way less of a traumatic situation in the movie. When he catches the snitch, he's feet off the ground, like two or three. He does not appear to be in like devastating pain, which I'm sure That's he true. doesn't pass out. The bludger's coming after him and he's like rolling on the ground trying not to get hit again. And I'm like, doesn't that hurt? Yeah. Whatever. And then, of course, you still get the, no, not you. Yeah. But then Hagrid is there. And I was like, if there's another adult there, we all know Hagrid could just be like, come here, Harry, with one fucking arm and carry him into the building. Yeah, exactly. But no, he stands there and lets fucking... He also and then he's fucking like, Lockhart out, which right? Which I'm sure he wants to. He doesn't like Lockhart. Yeah. Anytime where I can just bitch about how the teachers didn't do shit, yeah. I'm going to do it. 
we've talked a lot about special effects and everything and things that kind of make the grade and things that don't. Two things that I do really like, the like boneless hand, which was my nickname in college. Oh, Jesus. How it like folds back. It looks great, but you know that that's like a fun, realistic prop. Right. So that was really cool. But then also like when Dobby shows up, we didn't talk about the Dobby in the movie. We kind of talked about him like he was a real human. But obviously he is movie magic as well. He looks great. He does. So does the Skelligrow bottle. Oh my God. I'm so glad you mentioned it's it. It's so cool. The, so ads that I get like remarketed on like Facebook and shit, I always get all this Harry Potter stuff, but also subscription Shocking. boxes. So when it's a Harry Potter subscription box, the algorithm is like, fuck yes, this bitch is going to spend money on us. And there's this one that has like a Skelligrow bottle in it. And every time I see it, I'm like, I want it so bad. It's really it fucking so cool. cool. I've actually seen things on like Pinterest and stuff about how you can make your own Skelligrow bottle. So someday, maybe. I agree with you. It looks It amazing. looks really cool. I really like actually how Harry wakes up to the voice in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing... It's kind of creepy. It's kind of creepy, but like in the book, you know, when they talk about how he wakes up and he's like, he wasn't sure if it was because he was in pain or because he felt someone watching or because someone was sponging his forehead and like Dobby is there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, that's fine and dandy and love the book, so fine. But I was like, if he wakes up to the voices and he's in the hospital wing and he's doing this thing, he can't chase after it. So it's just more like a reminder that this is still an active thing and Harry can still yeah. hear the voice. And the basilisk attacks Colin on Colin's way to see Harry. Yeah. So the basilisk is nearby. Yeah. And I think that that is not something you think about until later. Yes, I agree with that. I also really like the cookie is floating. <laughs> the cookie is floating. Someone. No context. I'm leaving that in. <laughs> I also really like the camera work in, in that moment because, well, okay. So first of all, I agree. Like him waking up and hearing the voice, I feel like is a very natural thing. Mm-hmm. Like there have been times in the middle of the night and I always notice if it's between three and four because that's like the witching hour when like the veil is the thinnest. And the legend is like, if you wake up during that time, then that means someone on the other side is thinking of you or your guardian angel there is there or something. It's kind of like 11, 11. Whenever that's there, oh. someone's trying to send you a message, something like that. And there are times when I see eleven eleven like constantly. I feel like him hearing that and waking up, it feels natural to me mm-hmm. somehow. And then the camera work where it kind of like pans all over the like ceiling and everything. You get to see beautiful Hogwarts architecture. And then all of a sudden you see Dobby's I know. It's, it's very well done. Terrifying, it too. Is. It is. You were just like, oh, that was terrifying. Yeah, it was yeah. great. Then, of course, at the end of the movie, that's when they bring Colin in, and you were the one who noticed. <laughs> so it's Quen Pomfrey, it's Quen Mega, it's Quen Dumble, <laughs> and then these two random motherfuckers. Fucking random as shit. I was like, who are they? Who are and they? Adam's like, what are you talking about? And I had to rewind it. One of them was bald and looks like the new Tom the Innkeeper, not the one from the first movie movie but the one from like the third i think it's the third movie but he has like this long beard and the other one is kind of like a knockoff aberforth or he something like lots that. of hair my only thought was like maybe it's like two other caretakers like it's argus's like colleagues or something but the ones that can knows? actually do magic yeah um i wonder if the bald one is one of the professors who we never meet and the other one because we learn a little bit about him kind of through the, the next couple of books or whatever I wonder if it's Professor Kettleburn, who's kind of grisly. Oh, that's I mean, a good here's point. the thing. I'm sure it's two fucking randos, but I like to pretend it's other people. I do too, because we've seen several characters. Like, they're 
is a potential Madame Pince. There is a potential um, Vector. There's a potential Sinastra. I like the idea of it being Kettleburn. Here's the other thing. There's gotta be other courses, like Runes, for example. Like, we never see that. We eventually see what Charity Burbage looks like. There's gotta be some other I classes. Mean, I'm sure there is. This way, just like there's more students that we never see. Most of them in Ravenclaw, because... No one fucking cares yeah. about Ravenclaw. Seriously, Ravenclaw. Is Sorry, Ravenclaw. The I least care about featured. you. I care about you, Ravenclaw. That's all that matters. Yeah, but otherwise, all things considered, I think after the last two chapters, this one actually does the best job, including as much as it can. There's of course detail missing, and yeah. like you said, it's the longest movie, so they've got to you know, cut something else. So still tells the story. Yep. Good job telling the story, movie. Yeah. Yes. All right. Here is who gets points and shit. No surprise, I'm on a Hermione high, plus tender Hermione, with the whole polyjuice potion stuff, like what we talked about before, but also plus 15 for Harry, for kind of like the same reason, but also the bravery during the road bludger, winning the game, the whole Skelligro incident. Harry had a really, really great chapter, but not as good a chapter as Quen Pomfrey, who gets 20 <laughs> points because she comes in and saves the motherfucking day. Quen Pomfrey, happy birthday. You're a girl. And then also, plus five to Oliver Wood for that quote. Loved that quote. It was so, so good. Negative 20 for Dobby. We actually gave Dobby points, I think, earlier. That might not be true, but I don't know. If you want to waste your life and, like, look it up, no, go no, ahead. No. It is not a waste of life to listen to our podcast again. Oh, I mean, you can go ahead and do it, but it's your time, too. I mean, thank you for the additional lessons, but I don't know. It's your choice. But I'm taking 20 away for Dobby because here he almost kills Harry. Like, it is very, very dangerous. It's not like him showing up to the Dursleys or the whole wall incident. Like, this is so much worse. He's being risky. He's crossing boundaries. I know he doesn't understand what all of that means. He's got blinders on, but it's like, okay, Dobbs, calm down. Okay, um, And then, of course, this is a lot of points being taken away from someone. And I think the only person who got more taken away was either Quirrell or Voldy from the last season. But negative 50 to Lockhart. Fuck you. <laughs> Speaking of crossing boundaries, like, he's been doing it the entire fucking book so far. This was, like, the absolute worst. Like, he is insane enough to think that he can actually, like, do this better than Quen Pomfrey. No. No. So, to recap, plus 5 to Oliver Wood, plus 10 to Hermione, plus 15 to Harry, plus 20 to Quentin Pomfrey, minus 20 Dobby, minus 50 Lockhart. If I were doing points, I would also do a minus 5 to Dumbledore for destroying film. Oh my god, I love it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He didn't actually destroy it. It was the fucking basilisk. But just remember. Yes. I could have even taken points away from, like, Draco or Lucius or something, but, like, this... Lucius actually isn't in the chapter. Well, that's true. Although you did give a win mostly because yeah. of a movie last time, so this is true. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll do that sometime. We'll see. A lot of times, too, when I like come up with my points, it's right after reading the chapter. So, like you said, Lucius wasn't in the chapter. So next time we will be discussing chapter eleven. Eleven. The Dueling well, Club. The Dueling Club, which I have actually been really waiting for. I kind of forgot about some of these other chapters in the middle, like writing on the wall and everything, because I was like dueling club is coming up so i'm very excited it's a for long chapter. ass chapter oh good i get to write another 
fucking dissertation on one of the long chapters. We are done with the first 10 chapters. There's only eight chapters left in this book. We're over half done with this season. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. There's only three more recording sessions until our wrap up. Yeah. We're fucking awesome. We're like closer to Prisoner of Azkaban than we are Philosopher slash Sorcerer's Stone. That's crazy. Yeah. And I'm really excited because that is maybe my favorite book. It's definitely my favorite movie. I'm excited too. I love Prisoner. Again, I am really loving looking at these piece by piece. You know what I'm loving about it is not just the book, but the movie. Like I notice so much more in the movies. Yes. You actually notice even more in the movies than I do. I'm a little bit more familiar with the movies too. So it's a little bit more normal. Things like seeing Draco and his goonies like walk down the corridor when they're talking about him and Mm -hmm. things like that. It's really interesting to notice some of those little details and things like that. And things like the conductor being the same. Right. Or those randos carrying in concrete. Fucking randos. But also because we're only watching a certain portion of the movie at one time because if i'm just watching the movie straight through i am very easily distracted yeah you're more like into the story and stuff where it's this allows us to look at the details a little bit more so 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 that was chapter 10 guys hope you enjoyed it have a blessed day yeah have a good one of those a good blessed day (laughs) bye bye (laughs) where's my mouse why does this always happen i can never get my mouse to work or find it there's a joke there Basic Snitches is produced and recorded by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by Adam Bowers. And published by Tara Corkery via Podbean. And now available for download wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to us. We hope you enjoyed us. If you enjoyed us, please be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. And if you didn't enjoy us, then we're sorry you're so angry. Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Basic Snitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com. We're excited to get more feedback from our listeners and to hear what you have to say about the questions and discussions we have on the podcast. Catch Catch you later, snitches. snitches!